Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome into the show, Mackie and Judd. Kind of a quarantine edition, which we will explain here in a second. But, uh, gentlemen, I have for you another fix for baseball. Baseball has, has opened up the door for a 16-team playoff. As in the short term to just generate more revenue for the, the bleeding pockets of owners. But I've taken this a couple steps further. I've come around on it, and I want to pitch something to you guys early in the show. We'll get to a scoop with Doogie, too, by the way. Have you ever been as fooled the rope-a-dope of yesterday? The owner's saying, you know what we're tired of? Being the bad guy. So we're going to leak out that this thing's basically done, and we're going to make the player Association come back and say, oh, no, it's not done yet. Not because they care about trying to play that much, but because they care about the most important thing to them, which is the public relations battle that is now being waged on a daily basis. So, so I love, I love how both factions, players and, and owners and Manfred have their media guys, right? And you can always tell who's reporting what by who's trying to leak it out. And that report that I believe originated, um, with John Heyman out of New York yesterday. That basically a deal was done in place, and I feel bad for baseball fans, man. They got so excited. They were so excited, only for the Player Association to come back and say, well, no, the deal's not in place. They can't even agree how close the deal might be. Dude, it is. this is the hilarious it's part. Just two, two hilarious things about the last 48 hours. Number one, I love that on June 17th, Rob Manfred and Tony Clark make a, well it was it wasn't really a joint announcement. It was Rob, Rob Manfred put a press release out, but it was, all right, guys. Now we have entered intense and serious negotiations. Now, okay, all this other stuff is over. Now on June bleeping 17th, yep. when the NBA is like three weeks into their new plan and the PGA Tour is back and NASCAR is back and UFC is back and the WWE never left, like, now, okay, now, guys, now it's time to have the serious negotiations. Screw you, both sides. Screw, oh, absolutely, screw owners, yes. But screw both sides. Yes. And then, of course, so they so they meet two days ago, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred, hopefully socially distanced with masks because I know Arizona is spiking these days. So these guys meet face-to-face with masks. And... Uh, and they and they I don't know how long they met for several hours and they hammer out some of the framework and Rob Manford comes out and says, all right, we have agreed in principle on general framework. And now we're just trying to sharpen the pencil to the to the other side's liking. 
to which Tony Clark and the players come back through reports, and it's like, wait a second. We have a different interpretation of how this meeting went. So these two dudes finally meet face-to-face, and right, they can't even right. agree on like the tone of the end of the meeting. So just, I'm, the just whole, like, I'm ready to be done with both of those But the guys. whole thing now now is based on who at the end of each day can be more popular. Essentially, this is a political campaign now. And, and you know, the owners within the last week or so or more – have realized that almost every day they are losing this battle, right? So yes. so coming out of this uh, productive meeting that they were supposed to have on Tuesday, now basically they, they were saying to themselves, how can we try and take control with our message that we have a deal agreed upon to make <laughs> the players look bad? That, that's the thing that's so pathetic about this. Nothing about this really has to do with playing baseball. Everything has to do with do we – look like the good or bad guy at the end of each day. And that's what mo- yeah. and that's what both sides are really focused on. And, and I just feel bad for fans, though, because the crap that came out on Wednesday had so many people on Twitter, yeah, let's go, we're going to play. And you're like, okay, hold on a second here. And sure yeah. enough, the Players Association couldn't send out, the Players Association couldn't send out a tweet quick enough saying, there's no deal here. So let's, so we, I think we can all agree that Tony Clark and Rob Manfred are both terrible at their jobs. The public negotiation is immature. It's short-sighted. It's it's helping to ruin a game that is already, uh, in terms of like public popularity, on the downslide. But let's go through the three major things in this proposal, from the number of games all the way down to the proposal I want to pitch to you guys for a permanent change in Major League Baseball's playoff structure. Let's start with sixty games, full prorated pay. All right. So so. Major League Baseball has been pretty steadfast, the owners saying, we will pay you guys for 50 games. If you want to play 80, that's great. We'd love to play 80. You're going to make money for 50 games prorated because we can't justify the amount of money that we would lose with no fans in stadiums, the difference between the 50 and the 80 games. And so I did some math on this. Major League Baseball players as a collective make about $24 million per game played. So for every game on the schedule, like the entirety of Major League Baseball. So 10 extra games, the difference between 50 games and 60 games is about $240 million for the players. Mm-hmm. That's what owners are fighting. But the owners gave in and said, fine, okay. It's not about the games played. It's about the money that the owners are giving to the players here. So the owners yesterday, the big the big landmark shift was that they said, cool, play an extra... 10 games and we'll give you an extra $240 million that you can disperse amongst yourselves based on what your prorated pay is. There's really no short-term gain off those extra 10 games for the owners with no fans in the stands. But I thought it was, it's a pretty big shift for them to say, all right, we'll move off our grounded point here. I think the players are probably going to haggle to get closer to like 65 games. So I actually think this is going to get done now. Whereas two days ago, I wasn't so sure, but just so people know, it's not about the games being played here. It's about how much money, the owners are doling out to players for the extra games, and it's about a quarter billion dollar shift yesterday. And the 60 games is done because of the fact, and what the owners right now are the most afraid of, what keeps them up at night is they implement a 50-game schedule. The players file a grievance. The players will win that grievance. That will cost them millions of dollars from the ownership Rob Manfred side. So they're putting in 60 games. The 60 games thing has nothing to do with goodwill or, hey, 60, 60 sounds better. It has everything to do with if and when that grievance is filed. At 60 games, the owners might not lose. Now, the problem 
is this. The problem is the most important thing in all of these discussions, all of them, what the owners desperately want is they want the players to agree no matter what they do, they play five games, they play 100 games. What they want the players to agree to for 2020 is we won't file that grievance. And and that's what I'm shocked by this because I thought baseball people were so upfront. That's what the owners leaked out quickly yesterday, which is the players have agreed not to file a grievance against us. I think that's why the union pushed back and said, BS, we're not doing that. So yeah. so that's why there's no way that they're going to put a 50-game schedule into play because as soon as they do, you've got a grievance that the owners are going to lose. 60 or more games, you know, let's say you play 62 and and pay the players on 62 games. That makes it a little bit more difficult uh, to to file a grievance because the person hearing that grievance is going to say, well, you did play 62 games and got prorated pay off of that. So so here's just to get even further in the weeds on this. All right. And I know a lot of people are just like, this is ridiculous. It is disgusting that when 40 million Americans are unemployed, we're literally talking about an extra $240 million in money back and forth between billionaires and millionaires, or at least uh, guys with more commas in their bank accounts than most of us. Mm-hmm. But, but one last thing on the money pile. So the players are fighting for, if they file a grievance, there's a report that says they will file a grievance for $1 billion, saying that the owners purposely stalled this entire process. And, and, then, and then eventually, you know, uh, you know, forced a 50 game season upon them. So if the owners are giving the players an extra $240 million this week and saying, all right, fine, we'll get you from 50 games to 60 full prorated pay. Right. There are still some players that are saying, well, that's great. Thank you. But, you know, we could file a grievance and get the other $750 million because we think you owe us a billion dollars based on, like, the feasibility of an 80-game season. So it's sickening to think about. And, again, like 80% of it's on the owners because, listen – Quit worrying about short-term losses here. Let's look at the but, long, long-term, big picture. But players are also like to me. If players don't take this deal that's on the table or something close to it, mm-hmm. then they're just as at fault, Judd. But the problem here is is that every, everything that we are discussing is short-term, but in the minds of the owners and the players, it's long-term too. Yeah. Keep in mind these two sides. These two sides eventually are going to have to sit down and negotiate. And this has nothing to do, for, for the most part, except for a couple of the probably on-field rule changes that we're discussing right now. These two sides have to negotiate a long-term collective bargaining agreement, and they can't even agree how to play a short in 2020. So, so I'm sure what both sides are, are afraid of too is if we give in now on this short-term issue, it's going to make us look weak in, in the long-term negotiation. But for anyone right. who doesn't think that we are going to have a long and really ugly work stoppage in 2022, nothing they're doing right now has anything to do with what's going to need to be, let's say, a four to five or beyond that year CBA. Everybody right now is basically drawing their line in the sand over 2020 over what should be sort of this feel good. Hey, let's change some rules and have some fun season. And they've managed to turn it into a miserable experience at every turn for everybody. Yeah. All nice right. Work. Item number two, item number two on the, on the proposal here, Yeah. the universal DH for 2020 and 2021. And assuming that they can come to an agreement on a new CBA for 2022, I think if this goes into play, it means that we have seen the last of pitchers hitting 
in the National League. To me, this is great. We don't have to bear witness to pitchers batting, to pitchers cowering in the back corner of the batter's box, shaking and urinating down their legs, um, and and batting one twenty five every night. And we can get rid of so all you Judd Zolgad. We can get rid of all you double switch truthers out there like Love Judd the Zolgad. Think that the game, the game is so you much better when it, when Matt Tolbert can yeah, move from second to left field. It's so much more fun field. to keep oh, score of a yeah. damn game when you have to pay attention. I told you guys before, American oh. League game, you can get as wasted as you want and keep score because the lineup never changes. The great oh, double the, switch. You know who's more upset than me? Our guy Rami. He God, was on Twitter last night yeah. already venting about how God. no no no. He's he's more of a double switch guy than me. You hired him. He's more of a double switch guy than me. But 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 you know what? This I, is I wouldn't have hired him if, if I knew he was a double switch guy. I wouldn't have hired him in the first. That sounds really place, just weird. To make it by, clear. by the, the way, the way I put that, he's a double switch guy. I had no idea he was a double switch guy. Um, so so this is this isn't even worth fighting at this point. And here's why: the owners are essentially saying, "Okay, you know what? We will create." some very high-paying jobs for players who are probably, in some cases, older and might have to retire but can still hit, right? The yeah. o- But the owners are agreeing to create another, essentially, in the National League, full-time job in an era w- where it appears that the owners won't give the players jack squat. So the players, no pitcher, nobody is going to turn around and be like, yeah, you know what, we don't want that. So, So I can argue all I want. It don't matter. The DH, universally, it's been in American Legion. It's been in Little League. The only league it's not in is the National League. It's coming. I there, There's just right, no question me, about it. Let me clarify one thing. All right, double switch. Declan, where do you, are you a double switch guy, too? Are no, you? double switch is stupid. No, it's not stupid. It's, you here, don't here's understand. What, no, no, no. Don't here, lash out. Here's what, I, here's what oh. I don't get. Here's what I don't get. You, don't you will defend... A guy who has an OPS of under 400 in your lineup for five to six innings, while at the same time dying on a hill over strategy for seven, eight, and nine. What's the point? The double switch. That's strategy. So, so when you're watching a football game, <laughs> right? Double switch is the strategy. When you're you watching, on when you're watching a football game, you're okay with third and long situations because you want to see the play call. How about you just don't get in third and oh, long no, situations? Oh no! Disagree completely. Love third and oh, long. Oh my god! Dial I, it up. I, don't I want get to see it. what you can do. I don't get it. It's it's stupid. You know what? what another another on young the, kid Madison. who's cutting to the easiest way possible. In my day, we walked <laughs> to okay, school the, in snow, uphill, barefoot, and we did it, and we liked it. Yeah. Sorry. So you're ahead. telling me you're telling me right now, okay? Let's say let's say Nelson Cruz is on the free agent market, okay? And 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 you are the uh, you're the Chicago Cubs, and you can make a decision now. All right, we can sign Nelson Cruz to be our DH, or we can be more position flexible and we can, we can have a bunch of Matt Tolbert ninjas on our team yeah. or as a fan. All right. All right. You get the option as a fan. Okay. You get to watch, uh, who's that, who's that, that gangly pitcher for the Cubs, Kyle, uh, Kyle Hendricks, right? Yeah. Or whatever that guy's name is yeah, like gangly tall good. guy. Good pitcher. You can watch that guy take an at bat in the fourth inning mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a playoff game, October game three of the world series yep. or Nelson bleeping Cruz comes to the plate and you're choosing. I want strategy. I want strategy. God. I got oh enough home God. runs now. I don't need more home runs, so but anyway, it's coming. It's, it, it is not even worth debating because it's going to happen. The players are not going to turn down jobs. Like it's just uh, going to happen. One last, 
one Fun last Rami. thing on this. So Ma- Madison Bumgarner is framed as, well, wait a minute. I mean, there's, there's pitchers who can hit Madison Bumgarner. Look, that guy hit a home run one time. Cool. Madison Bumgarner, 11 years in the big leagues, 177 batting average <laughs> and a 530 OPS. He can't hit. All right. Just because he ran into He's a fastball a couple okay? times. Okay. He's got a lot of pop. <laughs> I all like right, the pitcher the re- hitting. Okay. Sorry. It's okay. We're going to rip you every time this yeah, comes fine. up. This is our this is our chance. We just needed five minutes to bring yes. this up so we could rip you. So, all right. Here's the third thing that's that's on the proposal between uh, between the owners and the players: an expanded 16 team playoff in 2020 and 2021, mm-hmm. and then obviously a new collective bargaining agreement. So, if this is a long term thing, it, 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 this season try whatever you want. I don't care. Once we get back to the 162 game season, my first thought was, well, I mean, you can't have a 16 team playoff. That che- like a 16 team playoff would drastically cheapen a 162 game regular season. You play 162 games mm-hmm. to sort out the 90 game winners from the 70 game winners. It just takes a long time to sort out who the best and worst teams are. Mm-hmm. For instance, in 2017, the year the Twins made it to the uh, wild card game, if you would have had a 16 team playoff in 2017, you would have had four below 500 teams in the postseason, including a 77-win Marlins team. Yeah. And so my like my first thought was, oh my God, like what do you you're 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 ruining any value that a 162 game season would have by opening up to over half the teams. I have now come around to it, and I'll tell you why and I'll lay this out. All right. But I want your guys' thoughts first before I lay this out. Like, where do you guys fall on a 16 team playoff in general? Because I might, if you don't like it, I might be able to change your minds like I changed my own mind this morning. 16 team playoff, which I've seen for a long, long time in the National Hockey League, basketball has the same type of deal. Um, for baseball, to me, it's way too many teams. And I don't, I don't want that many bad teams in a playoff. Like, I get, I get that the kids w- would actually like this and it'd be more up the alley of, of trying to make the sport more accessible and fun. Uh, but I don't think I'm being too staunch of traditionalist by saying, to me, it seems like too much. Declan? I don't love it. Um, but with the situation we're in, like I'm not going to I'm not gonna boycott MLB or boycott the playoffs just because there's a couple 500, below 500 teams. If, it, if it's over the 162 games, I probably have a bigger problem with it. That's where I'm at. Yeah, that's what I think. So, too. all right, so that's where I was at, too. And and then I started thinking, all right, well, for this to for this to make any sense, you have to award division winners in some way, right? Like you can't play a hundred. This is the difference between um, what I'm about to propose and let's say the because the NHL and Major League Baseball in the short term are both very much crapshoot sports, right? I mean, you put two baseball teams in a three game series or a five game series, or you put two hockey teams in a short series. Eight seeds beat one seeds. Wild card teams beat top seeds in baseball all the time, and so. For me, if if you're going to have an expanded playoff system, you have to have certain awards, quote-unquote, to the best teams. This is what hockey actually doesn't do. It makes the playoffs fun, but like, if you're the one seed or you're the eight seed, you don't get like any meaningful advantage other than home ice. Like You're a better team, but you still have to... Like that eight seed doesn't have to go through a coin flip game to get into the playoffs, right? Like You, get, you just get to play a seven-game series right out of the gate. So in baseball, here's what I would do. I would make sure that the three division winners at least get the advantage of playing in a five or a seven game series, just like right now. So right now you got the three division winners. There's an award. You don't have to play in the coin flip game. You're in the playoffs. You at least get a five game series to set up your rotation and to make it less of a crapshoot. With the other five teams in each league, mm-hmm. I would create a five team wild card playoff round. It's it's basically one week 
It would take five days, no off days, and you would seed it like this. So you have, you'd seed it one through five. You'd have your you'd have your wild card team seated one through five. And and mind you, you might you might literally have a one hundred win team. That happened one time. I think the Oakland A's finished like second in their division with a hundred wins like fifteen years ago. So you might have like a ninety five win team as the number one seed in that wild card seed uh, bracket, and the number five seed might be below five hundred, just based on like the baseball standings year to year. So what I would do is the four and five seeds in the wild card playoff would play one game to get into a matchup against the one seed. And then you'd have the two versus the three. The high seed only has to win once. The low seed has to win twice. So you're giving an advantage to the better record teams and saying you only have to beat that crappy Marlins team once. They have to beat you twice. But it introduces a fun week-long sprint to the divisional round. And so you'd basically lay it out this way. You'd have round one on a Monday, the four versus five games in each league. Then round two on a Tuesday, you would do it NCAA tournament style. You'd have you'd have four games going on when the when when the the second round starts on that Tuesday, from noon all the way until the end of the night. Um, and you would and you would essentially play every day and play down until you have a wild card a winner of the wild card tournament, if you will, from each league that then enters into the divisional round. I think it could be super fun. It rewards the divisional winners. It even rewards the better wild card teams within the structure of the tournament. And it gives baseball a must watch week, like an NCAA March madness first round feel to it that they don't currently have your thoughts. It's got an opportunity to reward teams that I have no interest in seeing in any type of playoff format. That's my problem. And and plus, if we're going to talk about this, what's the regular se- season at? You can't play 162. You can't keep piling up games, too, because I, I have long been a proponent of going back to the pre-1961 154. I know it's not a drastic reduction, but I think the baseball I think the baseball season should, should be more than 50 games and less than 162 games. Um, I get your point, but I think baseball's actually done a pretty – one thing they've done well is I think they've done a really good job in the last 10, 10 years or so of getting a playoff format that I, I like now. And at first I thought I probably wouldn't. But you know what? It's fine. Um, but if we start putting 16 teams in and we're going to inevitably get teams that don't belong near a playoff format and and because of what you said in playoff baseball, because of pitching, you're going to have some teams get fortunate. Um it's it goes too far to me personally, but again, here's the thing: I does the 25 year old kid like this? Because the 25 year old's more important than me. And Phil, I think the answer might be yes. Personally, I say no, but the way that hockey and basketball do things, which I think once were sort of laughed about, are now probably much more the norm to the younger sports fan than how baseball goes about its business. Well, do you do you like because because hockey is your favorite sport and the NHL playoffs are your favorite time of sports year? Uh, do you like the NHL's format of playoffs? I don't mind it now. When it, when I was a kid growing up, it was sixteen out of twenty one teams, which was a complete joke. Sixteen out of what currently thirty one teams yeah. is better. But but I also put a higher standard, and it's probably not fair, I put a higher standard on how I perceive baseball than hockey. Right. I mean, like, as, I I always just, as an example, Colorado last year was the eight seed in the Western Conference, and if you take, you know, and hockey has wins, losses, overtime losses, points, like there's four main categories, uh, and they and they seed based off points. Right. Well, their win-loss record was actually 38-44, and 44, and 
And like, I don't think anyone was overly animated saying you can't let a team that's you know eight games below five, whatever six games. Oh below no, hockey doesn't have that problem. I mean, but but I do hold I do hold fair or not baseball to a different standard than hockey and basketball. I just do. Yeah, and I think I I guess what I would say is the fact that they haven't. I'm I'm assuming that because it generates more revenue that they're going to agree to the 16 team playoff this year and next year. Yeah. Like I don't think that's going to be a a hang up for either side at this point if it generates more revenue. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's on the books for this year and next year, and if it generates more revenue, it's going to be on the books forever. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think absolutely. I think I think we are now emerging. This is one of the most under under talked about things that's being proposed is. Baseball is moving toward a 16-team playoff as of this week, I think which coming, is crazy to say. I think coming out of, of what almost certainly will be the lockout in 2022, you are going to see rule changes and ideas that the traditionalist will despise. And, and I think the universal DH is just the tip of the iceberg here. The, the one thing, and it actually helped the sport quite a bit, the one thing that hockey and Bettman and the boys got right – when they lost the 2004-05 season was the fact that they came back and had put together a committee of players at that time to look at the rules and see what changes could be made to make what had become sort of a stale game more exciting, and they did a great job. And again, I'm sure there was a 50-year-old hockey fan who was like, this is BS, you've changed changed it too much. But the 50-year-old hockey fan don't matter. Who matters? The 20-year-old. And I can almost guarantee you that if baseball, let's say the whole 2022 season, Phil, gets wiped out, I almost guarantee you that you will come back with with for sure they'll keep 16-team playoff, universal DH, um, clocks on pitchers that, that will actually be used. There will be things that will be changed to take that pace of uh, play problem and erase it as quickly as possible, and there will be a lot of young fans who like that. What if like, just one last thing, and then we're going to get to a scoop of doogie here. But what if I traded you? Because I, I actually, the more I think about the sixteen team playoff, if they do it the way that I laid out, which is let's just create a super fun college baseball like tournament feel, March Madness NCAA tournament. Just take take those five wild card teams in each league and put them in a frenzied sort of do or die playoff five day period and brand it and just have fun with it. And then it leads into the main event division series, ALC, et cetera. Sure. You would obviously need an extra week to do that. And it, it, you know, it's not, you don't look at the baseball calendar right now as it's jammed, like pressed up into March. And then at the back end of October as currently constructed, you don't look at that calendar and say, Oh, there's a, we could, we could find a free week here or there. There's okay. just, there's no time. If I traded you, let's say eight games off the regular season schedule. So we go back to 154, just like it was you know, way back in the day. So 154, and we use the extra week for a fun sprint wild card type playoff thing. And then they'd have to figure out, okay, can we generate more revenue off of the fun week-long sprint? Which you could. And get rid of the the gate money that you would lose for those games. You probably could. You could for sure. Yep. Would you make that trade? Or would you like to keep or, – or you could keep things the same way right now, 162 and, and the coin flip wild card games. My gut is that 16 games or 16 teams in a playoff is too much. But I would look at anything. Baseball needs four, actually four, fourteen would be better because you wouldn't because fourteen you would just do Listen, uh, a four a fourteen wild card into the. I think you know, we all I, I think that we all can agree on one thing: baseball needs changes. They just do. Now I think their current playoff format's pretty damn good. So I personally wouldn't start there. 
But yes, if you get 16 teams in and and the revenue that comes from that, especially because guess who's going to pay for that? TV. TV will love that. But baseball, as far as how the game currently um, goes, as far as the pace of the game, baseball, as far as I, I think how currently fans watch it, needs changes. It just does. And and I'm a traditionalist probably. I, I probably skew in the traditionalist side. But I'm also not going to sit here and say that I enjoy sitting at a ball game for three-plus hours. Um, I don't enjoy pitching change after pitching change. And I know that they've been trying to – Get their um, get their rules to address that, but that's the one thing I think going into let's say 2023 or 24, you are going to see things that make the game not unrecognizable, but are going to be way different than anything that we've seen before. I and love it. You know what? Bring it on. It probably needs it, guys. It probably does. It. And I hate to say Bring that, it on, baby, but it's true. the The game that I grew up loving and probably cling to has is not the same game. Like yeah. it's changed drastically, and it and it probably shouldn't Not be for the, the same all time. Game. So, hey, when we come back here after a, a quick pause, Doogie with his weekly scoop session, he's got some info on Dalvin Cook and contract negotiations, and Tanner Morgan as a potential Heisman Trophy candidate. There's an amazing list out from CBSSports.com, so we'll get to that too. But let's talk about a couple things here. Federated Insurance, Federated is here to help business owners in the state of Minnesota. Uh, times have been just crazy the last three months, as everyone knows, and Federated just wants to thank our local businesses. You are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. You can visit federatedinsurance.com or call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources you may need when it comes to written pandemic policies, risk management tools, and uh, and other things that might apply to your life here as a business owner during this COVID period. So again, federatedinsurance.com or call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources. And at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Also, a quick thank you to Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where I've been going for 30 plus years. Uh, I just I just got a note from uh, from my friends in that showroom that I'm, I'm celebrating the one year anniversary of when I got into a 2019 RAV4. Uh, it's the first time I've ever driven an SUV on a regular basis, and obviously RAV4s are a little bit more compact and drive more like Camrys and Corollas. But the spaciousness is great. Uh, I love the technology and the safety features, the lane assist, and uh, the Apple CarPlay that lets me connect my phone to my car. And, and it lets me use all of my audio apps like the Score North app or Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. It essentially turns your car speakers into your smartphone. So check out some of the great deals they have right now on uh, both new and pre-owned Camrys, Corollas, RAV4s. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. All right, Doogie joins us every Thursday here on Mackie and Judd, where uh, we go through our weekly scoop session. You can find the scoop podcast in full at scorenorth.com, Apple, or Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, Doogie from Channel 5 Eyewitness News. What's going on, man? Hello, Phil. I had some sense of normalcy this morning. I was in a gym. The first time I was in a gym in a long time. I was actually in a private gym, I guess, maybe a month ago with Kerwin Walton of Hopkins, who's on his way to North Carolina. But I was with the Hopkins High School basketball team this morning. It helps that they train and, and practice at the Lindbergh Center on their campus in Minnetonka. It's just it's a huge facility, so they can, they can socially distance themselves from, from each other. But it was just good to be back in the gym. Some sense of normalcy. They have a really good player, Zeke Najee's cousin, Elvis Najee. 
He's a junior to be. He's got a Gophers offer, an Arizona offer, a Marquette offer. He's got interest from Iowa, Arkansas, Purdue, a bunch of others. So I was connecting with him. But it was just good to be in a gym watching actual basketball. Hey, Dukes, stand on the basketball theme. Tell me this. Has has Richard Pitino coming off a very disappointing year in which a lot of us got into a conversation about his job security because of that disappointment. Um, with the three transfers that he's got coming in, has he potentially turned – if not the program around, certainly the expectation for 2020-21. And of those three transfers, are we expecting all three to be able to be cleared to play, or where does that stand uh, realistically? I'll start with the latter, Judd. Brandon Johnson is a power forward transfer. He's a grad transfer from Western Michigan, so undoubtedly he is now the Gophers starting power forward. The other two we're talking about are Booth Gotch from Utah, an Austin, Minnesota native, and Liam Robbins, a transfer from Drake. Both guys are going through the waiver process. I can tell you on Gotch, because of coronavirus, because his mom is dealing with with a health issue, she's not on her deathbed, but the fact that he's transferring back to his home state, the campus closest, at least the Division I campus closest to his hometown, he's got a compelling case. Like I was told that there was legitimate interest in him landing at Maryland. I don't think he was getting a waiver to play immediately at Maryland. So it certainly helped the Gophers' cause in landing a good player. He averaged double-digit points last year at Utah in the Pac-12. So Booth Gotch can play. I think there's a real chance that Booth Gotch will be eligible immediately, that he will get the waiver. Okay, so let's go on the idea that, that he is eligible. So you've got Marcus Carr. Judd, I'm convinced Marcus Carr will be back. At some point here in the near future, he'll withdraw from the NBA draft. So you've got Carr at the point guard spot, Gabe Tauscher at the shooting guard spot, Booth Gotch at the small forward spot, Brandon Johnson at the power forward spot. The question mark is Liam Robbins at the center spot. I, from what I can gather, get the sense that Drake is on board, that oftentimes you need cooperation from the school that the kid is leaving. My understanding is Drake is on board. They're being cooperative in this process. Liam has family members with the Gophers. His cousin plays on the team. He's a walk-on. His uncle is associate head coach Ed Conroy. So there is a case to be made. That, again, with the coronavirus, you know, he wants to be really close to some family members. But he is from the state of Iowa. So if you're the NCAA, you might say, why are you leaving Drake to go to Minnesota? But logically speaking, that's a jump up in competition. He dominated in the Missouri Valley Conference last year. I had an NBA scout tell me that Liam Robbins is on his radar. So let's just say that Liam is eligible. Uh, He's got a compelling case. So let's say he's eligible. So then you've got him at the starting five with Jamal Mashburn Jr. off the bench, Isaiah Enan off the bench, some other guys. Eric Curry might be able to give you 8 to 10 minutes a game. You've got some guys, Judd. So, yeah, if Robbins is eligible, if Robbins is your starting five, and you've got that starting, you know, one through five that I just laid out, yeah, as deep as the Big Ten is, Judd, I think there would be legitimate expectations that the Gophers would undoubtedly be an NCAA tournament team. Doogie, CBSSports.com earlier this week listed out multiple tiers of, of college football quarterbacks in 2020. They listed the top 50 quarterbacks in college football going into 2020, and they tiered them based on Heisman Trophy contenders. Okay, So tier one, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, two guys who are All-American types and, and guys who are going to be super high in, in, the, in the draft class next year. Tier two starts with Tanner Morgan, and they write, it's easy to see why a lot of folks are high on Tanner Morgan. He's not a dual threat guy. 
He didn't have the most eye-popping numbers, but he's an assassin as a passer. He ranked near the top nationally in on-target percentage and air yards, and uh, his touchdown percentage was second in the Big Ten only to Justin Fields. So your thoughts on Tanner Morgan getting some national steam as a Heisman Trophy, not like Trevor Lawrence category, but in that sort of sleeper category? Well, I mean, Phil, Tier 2 makes a ton of sense. The entire offensive line is back that did a good job blocking for him last year. You've got Rashad Bateman, a first-round NFL pick, at one receiver position. Chris Altman-Bell is one heck of a number two receiver. Demetrius Douglas, Omar Douglas's kid, is one heck of a number three receiver. So, yeah, he's got all those weapons. He was historically good when talking about, you know, going back 50, 60, 70 years of go-for quarterback play. He put up better numbers than just about anyone. You know, so, yeah, there's a lot to build on. Yeah, I think they'll miss Kirk Soraka. The play caller is gone. But, you know, you bring in Sanford, you know, you elevate the wide receivers coach, you know, they're going to keep a lot of the same terminology, a lot of the play calls, you know, the plays, they're they're not going anywhere. It's not like they're reinventing that offense. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to like about Tanner Morgan. I will say, Phil, as you list off those Tier 1 guys, the guy that deserves a lot of love, but he's in a lower division, would be the kid from Marshall, Minnesota, and North Dakota State, Trey Lance. Like, I was with Phoenix Sproles, who played at Robbinsdale Cooper High School. He's a wide receiver for the Bison. I was at a workout of his a few weeks ago before he headed back to Fargo. He's roommates with Lance. I mean, he was just gushing about how good Trey Lance is. Blaze Andrews, who's a starter on the Gophers' offensive line, he played in high school at Marshall with Lance. I know he thinks the world of Lance. You talk to NFL scouts, they will tell you that Trey Lance is a first-round pick. In fact, somebody told me, I guess I didn't verify this, but that Daniel Jeremiah, I respect his opinion, NFL Network draft analyst, is putting Lance right up there with Lawrence as the best quarterback for next year's draft class. That's how good Trey Lance of Marshall, Minnesota is. So I think when listing any quarterback list of college you know, guys, I think even though he's a division below, I think you need to put Trey Lance into any conversation. Dalvin Cook update, sir. What, what is going on with a guy who has threatened uh, not to show up for the start of training camp unless he gets a new contract. We did see the quotes from Gary Kubiak, uh, the Vikings offensive coordinator, did the Zoom call yesterday in which he sounded uh, pretty confident about how things are going. Yeah, I think Dalvin's camp enjoyed what Gary Kubiak had to say, that Dalvin could teach a class on the offense, that him missing two weeks of virtual meetings just isn't a big deal. That's how smart Dalvin is. That's how good of a running back he is mentally and physically. In terms of, of contract talks, talks have not picked back up. I still think, now maybe I'm nuts, maybe I'm on an island, but I still think, Judd, in the end, I think closer to you know the end of July, sometime after the 4th of July holiday, but I do think the two sides will come to a happy medium. But I am led to believe that as of now, and I think this can change, but as of now, that Dalvin really isn't budging much off of the demand or the want of, of what David Johnson got two years ago at the Arizona Cardinals. David now, of course, plays for the Houston Texans, but two years ago, September of 2018, he signed a three-year, $39 million extension, $13 million annually. I'm told that's the figure that Dalvin is targeting. Now, you know, the Vikings' initial offer, I'm told, was, was on an annual basis for less than what Melvin Gordon got in Denver, two years, $16 million, so $8 million a year, not significantly less, but a little bit less. So I'm just wondering if the two sides can eventually meet in the middle, $10.5 million, $11 million. You know, and I think if the Vikings get to that number in that neighborhood, I do think Dalvin will budge. But I'm just told right now, as we sit here on the morning of June 18th, that Dalvin is is hell-bent on, on getting $13 million a year, if not more. Okay, Dukes, from, from your conversations, 
I feel like the Vikings could use Alex Madison as not necessarily leverage to hold it over Dalvin and his agent, but it is nice to know that you have a really good backup running back that averages four and a half yards a carry can, can, can play on all three downs. Potentially um, you're not as desperate to, to sign Dalvin cook to a ridiculous contract. So, you know, how much is Alex Madison a consideration in whatever the Vikings decide to do here in the Dalvin cook nego- negotiations? My sense is the Vikings realize that for them to have any high level of success in 2020, Dalvin Cook needs to be on the field. That they're not winning. Now, they may not win 9, 10, 11 games with Dalvin, but that they're not winning. They're not succeeding on offense if Dalvin Cook isn't there, that if Alexander Madison is the number one guy. I'm with you. I like Alexander Madison. I think he's, at this point, a good number two, but I think you can play him on three downs. But I don't know if he's capable of playing 60-plus snaps a game, if he's capable of touching the ball. 25-plus times a game over the course of a 16-game season. I'm not there yet, Phil. And I just think as much as they're paying the quarterback, it's still a run-first offense. And in many ways, if not always, that offense goes as Dalvin Cook goes, right? I mean, you know, we think about the the great throw that Cousins made in the New Orleans playoff win to to Thielen. But, you know, I think, you know, they're not in that position if Dalvin doesn't play the way he did that particular Sunday. Like, I thought Dalvin was really good in that playoff game. You know, we saw how much they struggled in the in the Week 16 game against Green Bay when, when Dalvin, you know, wasn't healthy. So I just think that offense still goes, and I think they realize this, that that offense, you know, any level of, of you know, decent success, high-level success that they will have, it's dependent upon Dalvin Cook being on the field. Doogie, what the hell is going on with Miguel Sano now? I saw the reports out of um, his his country that there's some type of case here, but what what can you tell us about this? Because it's very murky to me. Well, can I tell you, Judd, that I'm still in the process of gathering information? Sure. Because, frankly, that's what the Twins are doing. I mean, as one Twins official told me yesterday, Judd, it's not real easy to gather in a timely fashion information from the Dominican Republic. It's just tougher. This isn't the United States we're talking about. I do think it's unfortunate that, once again, whatever the truth is here, that his name pops up with something where you're like, not again. Why? You know, it just it seemingly has been one thing after another going back multiple years with Miguel Sano. But in this particular case, I'm just telling you, Judd, I am still gathering information because I know the twins are still trying to gather information. Yeah, and so it's hard to have a take off of it because we don't know exactly what happens. But I would echo what you just said, which is why does he find himself, whether it's self-inflicted or – choosing the wrong people to be around. It just feels like it's always something with him. And that was something that we discussed on this show before you give that guy a lot of money. I mean, is this the type of guy that you want to have to deal with potentially, whether it's weight gains or borderline or criminal activities? I mean, or switching agents multiple times. I mean, Phil, he's gone through. It's pretty ridiculous at his young age, how many agents he's gone through now. You know, maybe those agents feel slighted, but you talk to some of his former agents, you know, they they don't have healthy opinions of, of Miguel Sano. Now, I'm not just talking one individual. Like, it's multiple individuals. So, yeah. again, it's just unfortunate that, that his name, whatever the truth is here, because I don't know in this particular case what the truth is, sure. but it's just unfortunate that yet again his name pops up. Like, we don't see this with other guys on the team. We just don't. And it's just, it's now what? I mean, how many different times? I mean, Major League Baseball conducted the investigation, you know, when, when the local photographer, you know, at that store at, at Ridgedale or whatever mall it was, you know, brought some of the accusations against him. They didn't find anything, but, 
You know, that was out there. You know, you think about, you know, the car accident, right, from from a year ago. Yep. You think about a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, when, when he hurt his, what, foot or heel in that celebration with his Dominican League championship team. But there were some question marks about that. And why didn't he come back to the United States immediately? They're just... There's a lot of different things. Heck, go back to when he was 16, the process in which, you know, he, he landed with the Twins over the Pirates and others, you know, having a film crew follow him around. You know, just, just a bunch of different things that just make you go, hmm. Just, you know, yeah. just they offer, they, they make you offer some pause. So the Twins are still trying to gather information, but yeah, I can promise you, it's not like the Twins want to be gathering information right now. This is the last thing that they want to be doing. Yeah. Hey, rapid fire scoops. What else you got in the scoop bag, dudes? Sure. I connected with Sean Johnson on the latest Scoop podcast, episode 300. He's the twin scouting director. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. 300? Yeah. Yeah. You guys haven't kicked me to the curb quite yet. Yeah. So somehow we've made it four, four plus years. April of 2016. Dudes, you're a little bit like, Mil- you're like Milton from Office Space. We didn't even know that you had a desk down there. <laughs> yeah. How's your stapler? But- <laughs> oh, one of the legendary movies. Thankfully, that movie has gotten me by the last handful of months with, with being quarantined at different points. That movie is seemingly on like every other day on Comedy Central. Love that movie. But yeah, we've made it 300 episodes. So yeah, he was on episode, I guess it would have been 301 that I recorded on Wednesday. So we reviewed the Twins 2020 draft. But I can tell you, he didn't say this you know, on, on my Zoom call with him. But, but I can tell you, three of the four Twins draft picks, including first-round pick Aaron Sabato, will be in town in the coming days. Sabato, it sounds like, will be in town next week. I'm told I don't even have the slot value, what, what pick 27 gets. I'm told he'll sign for slightly above the slot. But none of the four are, sl- are signing for significantly above or below. They'll tinker with the money a little bit. Uh, but I think the headline is that first-round pick Aaron Sabato coming to town next week to undergo a physical then he will sign his contract. Some NBA draft notes, Zeke Naji, Hopkins High School, Arizona, the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. Virtual interviews this week with the Orlando Magic and Phoenix Suns. He has a virtual interview next week with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sakar Annam, good player from De La Salle High School, had a good collegiate career at Marquette. He had recent uh, Zoom chats with the Detroit Pistons and Sacramento Kings. And on Booth Gotch, he technically hasn't taken his name out of out of the NBA draft process, he will soon. You know, the plan is to play for the Gophers. Right. He's not keeping his So he and Carr are going to take themselves out soon. Yeah, they will. But, okay. but Gotch has had a chance to talk with the Orlando Magic, and he was supposed to chat this week with the Atlanta Hawks. But I think with everything going on, you know, and him knowing that he's going to end up with the Gophers, gotcha. it sounds like he's canceling that interview with the Atlanta Hawks. And are the Vikings now, is the virtual offseason program done, or did Zimmer just give them a week off and they're going to come back and do more? You know what, I need to double-check on that. He gave veterans the week off. Because they can be done. be the time where they'd be done anyway. They so. can be done. The virtual yeah, offseason can be over. Yeah, I don't think they're doing anything next week, but I need to confirm that, Joe. But I can tell you that select veterans, guys like Kyle Rudolph and a few others that have been here for, for many years, did have the entire week off. So for Kyle... And others, they were actually done last week. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Talk to you next you week. It. Take it easy, boys. Stay safe. You too. That is a scoop with Doogie as we do each Thursday on Mackie and Judd. That is it for today's show. But it gets better tomorrow because Declan Goff, we have Action oh, yeah. Movie Rewind. And let me tell you that I was deep into film review last night Uh-oh. watching Roadhouse and taking notes on a movie I've seen no fewer than about 15 times now. And I still found new things. That's awesome. That I love. I can't wait, man. That's tomorrow. Mackie and Judd, we will talk to you later. Bye.